This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Comic Book Click at tpublic.com. Visit tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click to get exclusive one-of-a-kind merchandise including shirts, stickers, and phone cases all designed by us. Get your hands on the latest and greatest in comic book merchandise by going to tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. Hello everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano aka The Don and if you're listening to this you can only be here for one reason and it's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast brought to you by ComicBookClick.com and as always I'm never alone, sir please introduce yourself. How's it going everybody, Jonathan Escudero aka Yogi in the house. Yogi is here and we are practicing our social distancing. It's another, uh, I'm starting to look forward to these conversations as, as the world gets uh, more and more secluded into their homes. But how is, how, how are things? How are you handling things uh, on your neck of other woods? Yes, I'm down here in San Antonio, Texas. It's not as bad as I've heard it is in, up in your area, up in New York. But mm-hmm. um, it is shut down. Right. Same way a lot of the country is. All the comic shops are shut down. As I know, that means I'm not getting paid. Um, <laughs> Ridiculous. So I'm home. I'm uh, reading old stuff, reading deceased, which we're going to talk about tonight. Yes, we are. Uh, I I am hoping that I don't have it. They say, uh, they say <laughs> right, you can right. be asymptomatic, and I'm like, okay, like that's I'm not scary at all, right? Like that's not scary. Like, oh yeah, don't worry. You can. You might be having it and passing it and catching it, and you'll never know. <laughs> no, don't worry about it though. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> Don't worry about it though. Just go do your grocery shopping. <laughs> it has been, and it definitely has been a bit rough. You know, every day is another uh, blockbuster news story about a number of cases or the number of fatalities. And to alleviate all of that, it's 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 fun to turn to comics. And to be honest, that's all I've been doing these last couple of days is trying to catch up on various um, runs and and titles. And deceased was what. DC's was to one of the ones fair. everyone was talking about. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, I was gonna say to be fair, if you came here looking for a uh, way to get away from stories about <laughs> viruses, about and, viruses uh, and, 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 and casualties and, of yeah. such viruses, <laughs> I think you might have clicked on the wrong podcast this week <laughs> because DC is, is you know, all about. Two weeks ago, we did the techno or the 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 amazo virus. I'm sorry that took place in Justice League New Fifty Two, and um, yeah, there, there's some kind of there's there's definitely some similarities uh, between those stories. But um, I remember initially wanting to cover Deceased roughly when it ended, and we were trying to find a spot for it, and we were we were thinking about putting it, you know, you know, in in the, the in between March and April. It never would have thought that this would have happened. Never would have thought that we'd be living in an actual pandemic where people are stuck in their homes. And sometimes, even though the stories mirror what's going on in real life, it's it's inspiring to see what those people would do. And what I found out when reading Deceased is the world is pretty screwed without Batman. Of course. 
as it always is. <laughs> uh, but Deceased was put in great hands. It was written by Tom Taylor uh, with art by Trevor Hairsign and James Harron. But Tom Taylor, most notably um, the writer for the Injustice series. Maybe not most notably, but that's one of the big works that he, he contributed to. Most successful work, I think. And it's a hell of a task, right? Take the entire continuity um, that we have, a whole cast of characters, and we're going to make these shifts, you know, by making a you know totalitarian Superman, and you have to imagine all the repercussions. And he did, what, two years worth of stories for them? No, he did many years worth of stories. I think the Injustice books got up to like year five. Oh my gosh, that's crazy! They uh, didn't even get canceled; they just kind of ended. Did you ever follow those books? You know, I haven't, but uh, I did read the year one. the The first year was twelve issue miniseries, and admittedly, video game comic books usually suck. Right. Video game tie-in comic books usually suck. So uh, when I heard they were making an Injustice comic, I ignored it. But when it was over, I kept hearing the buzz. Wow, 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 Injustice, Injustice. I was like, well, let me check it out because the story of the video game was so good. Right. So it ended up being really freaking good. Uh, Tom Taylor just excels at, one, playing outside of the lines. You know, giving him this, yeah. giving him this area where he can do whatever he wants because... Uh, there's no uh, continuity holding him down. There's just, uh, here's all this lore. Take it, twist it around, and do what you want with it. And he excels at that. He did it great in Injustice, and he does it great here in Deceased. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, without the repercussions, without being beholden to years, like, oh, you can't, well, you can't hurt this person, and you can't kill that person. He does seem to really have fun, because he did take some, you know, there are some notable deaths in the Injustice series. You know, Absolutely. notable notable people that they took off the board for that. I don't think I knew about the Injustice comic, or I hadn't been. You know, I didn't have my ear to the to the ground as I do now. So I, the first time that I heard that it was still continuing was when Injustice Two came out. I was like, "Wait, they're still continuing the story from the old." Someone's been writing this story. Like I, I left the story behind, but somebody else has been continuing it for weeks, for months. You know, up until this point. And just that thought, and then I went back and I looked at the p- the pure volume of all the stuff he had written in this Injustice universe, and I was impressed. I was like, that's how you create your own world. You know, that's how you uh, create your own rules, your own characters, and people get to say things like, I like Injustice Superman, you know. So I think that's pretty cool. But let's get into this very... Uh, bleak a little bit bleak well no very bleak uh story it's really it's really bleak um <laughs> we this so dc's comes out dc's is a six issue series like i said it's an elseworld story so it's not dealing in our main continuity with our heroes um but they also had a one issue story called um a good time to die a good day to die um, and then right now they're also coming out with the series The Unkillables. I think it's a three issue miniseries. Yes, dealing with the aftermath of this story. So I did read a good day. It actually, it actually isn't. It, it's actually dealing. It's uh, it runs parallel to the original story. Oh, uh, but it's only three issues, and it does take place during DC's. But they did announce a sequel, written by Tom Taylor, called DC's. Uh, is it dead? Uh, what is it? Planet. Dead 
planet? Dead planet? Yeah, because it's de- there's dead planet and then there's dead Earth, apparently. And dead yeah, Wonder Earth Woman is dead Wonder Woman, and dead planet play. is the sequel to this. Yeah, But I guess we'll discuss that after we've gotten into the story. Yes, and let's get into this story. So, issue one opens up. Uh, we see a very close shot of Darkseid, but... Overall, what's going on is the Justice League has just repelled another invasion from Apocalypse, fighting off Parademons and Darkseid, and telling the Dark God to never return to Earth. Um, I thought that was fun. I thought I, 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 when I was younger, I used to be a fan of cartoons that would start kind of mid battle. Yeah. You know, um, so kind of seeing this uh, kind of uh, starting off at the end of a battle with Darkseid, basically letting you know that that is not, this is not going to be that type of story. Yeah. You know? And the, uh, the, so the, I, and starting it off with the with the whole, like, uh, the sound that you hear, the sound you barely hear, which is the, the sound of the jaw cracking of a god. Like, oh my very god. <laughs> yes, extremely. <laughs> extremely. Um, and you see, you know, it's, it's a, a familiar Justice League lineup, but it's, just the lineup for this story. So it's Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, uh, Hawk Girl. Is that Nightwing back there? Uh, 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 it is. It is Nightwing, Green, uh, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Flash, uh, Black Lightning, and Flash. Yeah. yeah, Black Lightning and Flash. Um, so he leaves, but cryptically announced that he has no need to return because he already has what he came for. After his exit, the leaguers are curious as to the location of their teammate Cyborg, so Batman uses a secret tracking device he has planted on Cyborg to confirm that his teammate is nowhere in the galaxy. On Apocalypse, Cyborg is tortured by Desaad, the right hand of Darkseid, who reveals that the anti-life equation lives within his cybernetic body. Is this the first time they've played with that notion? That the that he has yeah. something in the him dark. too? Yeah. Well... Because of his New 52 origin, which I guess is still his origin now. Oh, uh, he's part Mother Box. He's part Mother Box, or he has, he's part Apocalyptic technology. So the idea that he could have the anti-life within him is not too far-fetched. But I don't think they've ever done anything like that before. Not that I can remember. I remember stories of the famed Snyder Cut talking about like uh, Cyborg was going to be one of the mother boxes that they had to sacrifice to, I guess, connect the three in that film. But ultimately, I guess they didn't end up doing that. But um, yeah, so my boy's over here getting tortured. Uh, they summon the Black Racer to ensure Cyborg will not die as he transmits the anti-life equation. Um, I'm not familiar with the Black Racer. Like, I know very, very little. About him, is he literally the death, the personification? He's of death? DC's personification of death. Although DC's real personification of death would be Morbius' sister. I mean, uh, cousin, one of the endless. She's a little cute. <laughs> but, From yeah. the Sandman, uh, Black Racer is basically a new god. Uh, I was I wondering that. So he is a new god. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. But uh, I, I, you. I want to say I haven't read too much. There's too many stories of Black Racer in them. I just Honestly. remember him chasing the Flash <laughs> in in like one of the recent. Was it Infinite Crisis? Maybe one of uh, those. It would have been. It probably would have been like Final Crisis or, or, or Final or, Crisis. Or, I think it was, you're right. Yeah, I think I, yeah. I think you're right. I think it was Final Crisis. 
but he brings out the black razor. Um, this whole thing is to ensure that Cyborg won't die as he transmits the anti-life equation. But by corrupting the equation itself, Darkseid falls prey to its overwhelming despair, which causes him to start scratching at his own face. Uh, the Sod, who is immune to all viruses, sends Cyborg back to Earth, hoping to be rid of whatever the hell is happening. I thought that was interesting, though, taking the Black Racer, who is who is sometimes seen as a personification of death, and then just mixing that in, and, and that changes the equation, so now you've lost control of it. Because if Darkseid has gotten control of the anti-life before, so seeing uh, uh, you definitely weren't going to be able to just use the anti-life equation like that. So I thought that was creative. They also, this is also like a ramped up version. Cause most of the time we see if like in all the alternate universes, when he does this anti-life equation, you have a bunch of like, you do have like zombies, but zombies like in the mindless sense, right? Like, like all hail dark side, dark side is kind of stuff. Um, th- this virus, this techno organic virus, as it is known to be called, there's like a frantic nature with these. Would you even call them zombies? I would call them zombies if only because there's probably no better word for it. Right. <laughs> but, but they don't eat brains or they don't no. they don't do any of that. It's conventional zombie stuff. But they do pass the disease by scratching or biting and they're very mindless. Yeah. So, so we can call them zombies for now. Definitely zombies. Um... Yes, they send Cyborg back to Earth, and Darkseid, like, just in all of his insanity, scratching his face and all that stuff, just plunges into a uh, into the core of Apocalypse, causing it to explode. And a beautiful shot, but a tragic, <laughs> tragic end. As Cyborg lands in the center of Metropolis, he immediately begins infecting the internet with a techno-organic viral version of the anti-life equation, rendering everyone around him into enslaved zombie-like beings. It should be mentioned, though, that he's not, like, evilly... He's not, yeah, he's doing, not doing it on purpose. Yeah, he's not doing it on purpose. <laughs> um, and it's just, like, these panels of people clawing at their own faces is ridiculous. Like, some of some stuff of nightmares. Um, we see that Superman is hanging out with Barda and Mr. Miracle, which I'm like, ugh, last time I thought about you three was that weird sex tape storyline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what are, you, what, are you, what are you doing over here, Superman? <laughs> Um. Uh. But and they're planning a rescue mission, but they're drawn away by the sound of horrific screaming. Superman flies to his family's apartment, where his son was moments away from picking up a ringing cellular mobile phone, uh, and becoming infected himself. But Superman uses his heat vision to destroy every screen in the house. But how did he know? How did Superman know? How did he know? How did he know it was the screens? At I don't this know. Point? He says something about using his X-ray vision. Later on, and everyone just kind of agrees. I don't, remember, I don't know what that's in reference to. Can you see? Is that to just know. Because <laughs> there was a story. Life. I think in the in the new in the the Amazo virus, he could see the sickness in the air. <laughs> you know, like one of those Superman things. And I'm wondering uh, yeah. if I'm wondering if maybe the X-ray does anything with seeing data. I don't. I don't, I I don't know. See. I don't know. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, but you're right. He does. He goes through every screen. And then, like, it's funny because, like, there's a panel. And he's like, don't look at the screen. No screens. And the next panel, it just shows Batman in a room full of screens. Full of screens. Because <laughs> that's how Batman, that's how Batman do. Um, In the Batcave, the Bat, Bat computer 
firewall shuts itself off to keep from being infected, and Batman connects to a backup analog camera system to view the carnage of Gotham City. His offline system estimates that 6 million persons are already infected and billions... 600 million persons are already infected and billions more could rapidly follow. He releases an electromagnetic pulse to disable all electronics in Wayne Manor, but Nightwing and Red Robin have already been infected. He tells Alfred to run for his life and he fights his enraged sidekicks. Issue 1 ends with Nightwing taking a bite out of the bat. I was like, damn. That kind of sucks. Yeah, pretty intense stuff. I read read issue 1 when it came out. And I remember being surprised that Batman was bitten so early. I was like, huh. That's... I don't think I was too surprised at that. You almost you almost have to incapacitate Batman early. Otherwise, the question becomes, why hasn't Batman figured this out yet? Yeah. So I got a couple questions. Um, one, do you think that this ha- this attack here is a thing of like trust? Like he cares too much about the boys? So he let his guard down. Is that a such? Is that how he got bit in this situation? Is he? That's pretty much what it is. He still hasn't figured out what's going on. People are infected, but I don't know how. They're like zombies, but maybe I can help them. They're my sons. And that's the other part I wanted to talk about, which I think is the most interesting part. Which um, they play with a little bit in the second season of The Walking Dead. Uh, and it, as a matter of fact, they try to they try to implement it in most zombie lore. But uh, people have a lack of patience because in in most in comic pop culture we know what a zombie is. It's a person who's who has been killed, who is dead, um, and they are somehow reanimated uh, without any of their mind or soul or any of those things. And so, you, in lore, you just kill them. You shoot them in the head; they're gone. But in other places where zombies don't, in most places where zombies don't really exist, if this phenomenon were to happen, we don't necessarily know whether or not there's any of the original person still there. Yeah. So I guess my question to you is, how how long do you go before you just start capping everybody? Uh, all conventional wisdom tells me not to wait very long before <laughs> I become one of them. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because you know they there's that there's there's was it um is it Dawn of the Dead where he goes home and his wife's a a zombie? Yeah. Like in in The Walking Dead, you had um a farmer wrangling up all his zombie neighbors and putting them in his barn, hoping that whenever they find the cure, you know, I kept them all together. Everybody's good, but can you plan for a cure in a situation like this? Six hundred million in seconds? Nah. No, Honestly, know. talking about zombie stories, I did not want to read Deceased. I thought Deceased was going to be just another zombie story. I was really not down for one of those. Um, but it ended up being just another zombie story that was a little better than the rest. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? What do you think it was that um, made it fall into into your favor and not like fall into the traps that you thought it was going to fall into? Every story needs heart. Deceased got a lot of heart. There's a lot of heart in the story, and you would think in a story where there's not one singular main character and there's an ensemble cast, it's hard to... And only six issues, two, seven issues, actually. Uh, but um, he, Tom Taylor did it seamlessly. He made it work. Uh, he got the dynamics right on everyone. All the, all the, all the pairings, 
all the characters that he has not, or, or probably has worked with, with in Injustice. Again, I, I said earlier, I haven't read it. So, um, kudos. I really enjoyed it. And you know, I may be a neophyte in saying this, but that's one of the things I feel like DC has over Marvel in some cases that some of these characters have known each other for so long that their rapport is really what pulls me into some of these stories. Some of the greatest Justice League stories work well because of the inter interplay between characters, how, how they know each other, what they can expect from one another. Um, and this is another example of that. You start, you know, calling back small references, you got my heartstrings because I know the history. And um, they really do a good job with that. Especially, you know me, I'm a sucker for the Super Sons. So just having them in a comic, you, you already got me. Every time. Yes. So uh, issue two starts off in the North American, oh, sorry, the North Atlantic Ocean, where we see Aquaman come across a cruise ship and stop to see if the inhabitants need saving. For his effort, he is assaulted by an enraged mom of infected who were on board. In Metropolis, Lois Lane uh, insists that Robin, Superboy, and Superman head to the Daily Planet building for safety. Superboy tries to convince Robin that Batman is okay. In Gotham City, at Poison Ivy's request, Harley Quinn confronts the Joker as Ivy awaits her return in her botanical garden. Unknown to either of them, Joker has been infected by the corrupted anti-life equation. Um, the this Harley Quinn and Ivy in this story, at least, no question, they're together, right? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Um, and this is just the ex. I mean, not the ex. The uh, the new, trying to get you to get some closure guess, on the ex. I guess he's just fresh, fresh out of the Joker relationship here. Yeah, because it, it looks like it, 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 in the beginning she's like, oh, you know, we don't have to, and he, it's um Ivy that's kind of pushing her to. Have this combo with Joker, so it might be one I'm of those always, things. Hmm? I'm, I'm always down. I'm always down to see hot lesbian Harley. So <laughs> more that, more I, that. And I do like carrying Ivy. I think carrying Ivy is incredibly endearing. Uh, she yeah. can be, she can be sweet. Um, Dinah Drake, Hal Jordan, Oliver Queen, and you know what, man? I really like that these three hang out together. <laughs> I don't know why. Just seeing them like chill. And camp, <laughs> that was something really cool. It was so simple. But I was like, Danny O'Neill and Neil Adams, Green Arrow, Green Lantern. Okay. That's See, what you want. That's what you want. Request. Oh, yeah, official uh, recommendation. <laughs> um, so they're camping. They're enjoying each other's company. Hal walks away to look at his phone and is instantly infected by the techno-organic virus himself. When he attacks his former friends, uh... Dinah uses her canary cry to kill him. What I liked about this was that the green arrow was escalating with his arrows. So, like, I think the first time he hit him, he hits him with, like, a, the the boxing glove. And the second time, it's, like, something else. And he's like, listen, next time I hit you, it ain't going to be no boxing glove. And then we get, and then we get the, the canary cry. Um, with Hal dead, the Green Lantern ring chooses her to be the new Green Lantern of Sector 2814. Um... Which, that blew my mind. I didn't know why I didn't think, like, he's dead. Yeah, it would have to go somewhere new. But I didn't think it was going to leave right away. And I definitely didn't think Dinah was going to get it. What do you think about uh, Green Canary, I guess? I feel like looking, uh, doing a little research coming into this podcast and seeing some of the stuff Tom Taylor has done in Injustice, I think he has a lot of fun 
choosing who he thinks should be a Green Lantern. He's a very famous, uh, not famous, but a really viral out of context panel that goes around of Lobo as a Green Lantern. He yeah. uses like a, a construct that's basically a dick. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that was all Tom Taylor. Okay. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I was surprised to see it happen so early, but again, I shouldn't have been. I dug the uh, the outfit. Dug the look. She looks good I love in green. The design. It's a great design. Uh, what do we call her? The, the Green Canary? Yeah, I, that's what I've been calling her. Canary Lantern. Canary Lantern. <laughs> yeah, because Black Lantern doesn't that doesn't work. No, 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 not that one. <laughs> uh, so um, Superman arrives after hearing the scream to get his fo- fellow Justice Leaguers and update them on what's been going on. They head to the Daily Planet, where Lois plans to use radio receivers and other analog equipment for communication. Robin has made contact with his father, Batman, in the Batcave, where he is quarantined. Um, after being attacked by Nightwing and Robin, his blood is infected, and he's using one of Mr. Freeze's suits to slow his metabolism. But he knows he's, he doesn't have long until he turns. This also reminded me, I just finished reading um, The Batman Who Laughs. There's something similar that happens in that as well, where um, Joker infects Batman and Batman has like these literally like 20 syringes sticking out of his back that are all giving him anti, you know, antidote to the venom. But it's not going to work. You know, it's only going to work for so long. And uh, he seems to be good at that, at, at surviving just long enough. I thought the image of Batman and Mr. Freeze's outfit was really cool. Yeah. I, uh, it's very basic, but uh, it's not a thing I've seen before, I don't think. So I thought that was really cool. <laughs> and this, the somber thing is, as you know, right there with the image of Batman inside the of Mr. Freeze's suit is the image of Alfred with a cocked shotgun. You know? And so when Batman talks about, like, listen, you know, I'm, I'm using this to slow it down, but it's going to take over. You see Alfred like, yeah, <laughs> like, I know what I'm here for. Push comes to shadow, I'm, I'm gonna have to yeah, I'm gonna have to shoot him. Um and so he speaks to Damien. Well first he tells his friends about the infection and everything he's been able to learn about the techno organic virus, and he advises them to get rid of all the infected people and disable the internet. Uh he then tells his son that Alfred has something for him that he always knew, you know, he deserved and that he earned. Um, but before he can continue, his mind goes blank with rage, and Alfred has to kill him with a shotgun. Right. It's a very tragic, tragic moment. Um, I always like when Damien, you know, acts like a son. For sure. I love he, the bad, di- a bad dad dynamic. Yeah, he, he, you know, he's, he has an ego, but you can tell when he's really concerned. And it's one of those things that, because you don't make him concerned often, when he is concerned, you care because you're like, oh, my God, you're right, Damien. Like, you're never uh, upset like this. Um, but, yeah, man, like this, this ending and the next issue's beginning is like very sad because it's this matter of fact death of Batman, you know, with by the hands of Alfred, who's had to kill him to put him down so that he doesn't hurt anybody else. But this is still his son. So you have this whole thing of Alfred shooting him with a shotgun, and then the next issue opens up with him looking over the dead bodies of the Bat family. And so you have this weird, like, tragic scene of the Bat family, you know, Nightwing, Red Robin, and Bruce 
completely bloody from head to toe, laying on the floor of the Batcave while, um, I guess, out of vengeance, um, uh, Alfred commandeers the Bat plane and takes it to Gotham City where he attacks mindless zombies covering the, uh, well, the city. Um, how do you think yeah. about Alfred's reaction to all this? I think that would, uh, Taylor hit that one on the spot. That seemed very Alfred. And just taking one little shot on those, uh, uh, on the zombies, I guess you could call that vengeance. But I thought that was very Alfred. Uh, Tom Taylor definitely hit that one on the head. The Harley Quinn and the Harley and Ivy interactions that we get coming up to are very, um, pretty much on point. I was just very impressed with how on point the characterization is with everyone in this story. It's never, you don't usually get everybody right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And the Harley Quinn Joker uh, interaction is very quick. You see Harley running away from uh, her former lover, but she manages to sh- shoot him with a shotgun, basically splitting him in half. And uh, loves it. She's like, that was incredibly therapeutic. And she's in a good mood when she is seemingly surrounded by a zombified birds of prey. And she even says wow. zombie, zombie birds of prey. <laughs> Synergy. Yes. Um, in Metropolis, Robin sits solemnly alongside Superboy, who comforts him after the whole Batman ordeal. Superman takes off to get rid of as many of the infected Daily Planet staff as he can so his family could use its broadcasting towers. He leaves Green Arrow and Dinah's Green Lantern to protect his family and Damian Wayne while he goes to the Kent farm to pick up his parents. In Atlantis, and I, well, I'm about to talk about her, but I really also like the imp- is it me or just the recent uh, respect Mira's been getting? Like, they've been really putting her on to a lot of this stuff. I would say since yeah. John's run back, uh, you know. Maybe even a little before that, uh, maybe Brightest Day, I would say. But um, oh, You're right, she was a Red Lantern. Yeah, yeah. But um, I feel like that might just be, I, I don't mean just. But uh, it's a very positive thing, actually. But I feel like now that they're starting to see the value in actually treating your women characters with respect, Mera has benefited from that. Yeah, definitely. And she's shown that she can stand on her own. A lot of these recent stories have had her leading Atlantis. So I, I really like her her new importance or her solidified importance in the universe. But you see her in Tempest um, attempting to combat the strange virus taking over the world. And they're attacked by an infected Arthur Curry, Aquaman. Um, hoping to save the kingdom from a mindless Aquaman, Mira and Tempest try to fight back. But Garth becomes infected when he when he inhales a tide of blood. And Mira has to flee to save her own skin. All of that was straight out of a horror movie. All the, the dark water coming in, the infection of Garth. Just the pillows of blood in the water, like almost like smoke. And then Mira using her aquakinesis to escape. Really, really cool stuff. Um, Once the Daily Planet is secure, Superman encounters Black Lightning and his daughters in a helicopter and tells them to find safety at the planet and that he will meet them there. Once he arrives in Smallville, Kansas, he finds his mother safe, but his father has fallen to the infection and is being kept in the barn. In a heartbreaking scene, Clark unlocks the door, sees the infected pocket, closes the door, and uses his heat vision to kill his foster parent. He flies away with Ma in his arms and heads towards Metropolis. Yogi, how do you feel about that? I think he killed him. 
You don't think he killed him? No, he put him back and he locked the door. Yeah, oh, you, think he me- you think he melted the door? Yeah, he, that's what he did. He um he put him back in the basement. And he closed the uh, he closed the door and then he melted the lock. Oh, I didn't know. Does it have a lock on it? Didn't he break the lock on it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But you're right. You're right. He might have he might have melted the uh, that that deadbolt thing. Yeah, he 100 percent closed the door and then melted something. So I don't think he had the heart to kill his own father. I thought it was one of the things when you put like a pillow on the head. No, no, he couldn't even do it. Mm, that actually sounds more like Superman, to be honest. Yeah. Um. Heartbreaking. <laughs> we said bleak. Heartbreaking. Definitely heartbreaking. All right. So uh, this is when things go to shit, basically, because. <laughs> In Washington, D.C., Captain Adam and Amanda Waller observe a heavily restrained infected female uh, deep in the underground of the Cadmus facility. They await the return of Ray Palmer, the Adam from the inside the infect- infected woman. Sorry, Turns out Ray Palmer has struck in down to observe the building blocks of the virus in hopes of destabilizing it to find a cure. And they must wait for his return. So I'm already thinking that's pretty cool. Makes a lot of sense. Get small figure out what the hell is going on with all this. Um, Water mentions that the government has enacted Plague Protocol C. And if we know anything about, uh, you know, what the government protocols is usually bomb the hell out of (laughs) what the hell is going on. I saw Avengers 1. They just nuke things. <laughs> that's, that's what the protocol is. So this protocol is that Captain Adam is being ordered to begin purging the infected from the worst affected areas of the city. In mist, in the midst of attacking the infected in the streets, the captain begins to writhe in pain. Unbeknownst to either Waller or Captain Adam, Ray Palmer was infected during his investigation inside the infected woman and went on to enter Captain Adam where he proceeds to microscopically attack his heart, infecting him as well. That was probably one of the most metal things in this. Because <laughs> I know uh, Captain Adam is extremely, you know, uh, strong, durable, all those things. But every, almost every Elseworld story makes him a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the easiest thing. Almost every single Elseworlds story makes him a bomb. So once this happens, once he starts being affected, I'm already like, oh, great. Like, Here we go. yep, we'll put the stop uh, stopwatch on because it ain't going to take too long. Uh, so we got, let me see. Yeah. In Metropolis, Superman returns to the Daily Planet with his mother, Martha Kent. Superman, Lois, and John embrace her when she reveals to John and Lois that Jonathan Kent succumbed to the infection. Lois then states to Superman that they're ready to begin broadcasting the distress signal. And then Superman informs the group that he isn't staying and he's leaving to continue assisting other survivors. I do want to mention how I thought it was very Superman that uh, in the middle of all this blood and violence and guts, how Grandpa just died, John. And everyone got together and had this nice moment. Yes, a very cute moment. A very Kent moment in the middle of all this chaos. Like people are dying every second. I understand what you had one casualty, Clark. It's like but... shut up. It's hug time. Um. <laughs> also, is this the part? I think I'm trying to put up the 
panel in the comic. But when um, Superman says that he um, he's leaving to continue, Green Lantern and Green Arrow attempt to stop him, telling him that he's too great of a risk to get infected. Um, isn't that the same panel where Green Arrow puts his hand on Superman? Yeah. And he's like, like uh, look, I, I, this is purely like... <laughs> he's like an <laughs> This is, he, he said, it, uh, I understand restraining you with my hand like this is entirely symbolic. Right, right. <laughs> I really said, I like know that. You just walk straight through me. <laughs> I really, I really like that. Like, those little things show that you understand the characters, at least to me. Mm-hmm. It really, really shows. Um, uh, okay, it says... Dinah tells Superman, we can't have you back out there. You're too great of a threat. If you saw a screen, and then he says, I won't. She says, how can you possibly know that? He says, because I've been using my x-ray vision from the nanosecond I worked out what was causing this. So since then, he's just been using x-ray vision. That's got to be weird. That's fucking disgusting. (laughs) It's weird as hell. Um, Yeah. Uh, Superman eases their concerns by informing them, like I said, that he's been using his x-ray vision since the beginning of the outbreak. Um, Superman and Green Lantern then depart to find other heroes, while Lois begins broadcasting on all analog and television channels, instructing all who can hear uh, to rally at Metropolis to help confront the pandemic. On Themyscira, uh, Queen Mera arrives and informs Queen Hippolyta, a.k.a. Uh, Wonder Woman's mama, on the fall of Aquaman and all the Atlantis to the infection. Diana then informs the two that she's heading for Metropolis to rally with the other surviving heroes. In Keystone City, Superman and Green Lantern locate the Flash and Kid Flash. The two Flashes inform Superman and Green Lantern that they went into hiding at the start of the pandemic at the urge of Bat- at the urging of Batman to protect becoming infected. Meanwhile, in Gotham, Harley Quinn is almost overwhelmed by the infected birds of prey before being saved by Poison Ivy, who dispatches all four. The two then depart together with our Ivy remarking that the green will keep them safe. When did they make uh, Ivy an official avatar of the green? Do you remember? Uh, I know that I started seeing it in Scott Snyder's New Busy 2 Swamp Thing, but I don't know if that was if it happened before that i feel like it's a really obvious thing that somebody picked up yeah. on along <laughs> yeah <laughs> seems obvious but what's her what what is the the current or i guess the most um readily available iv origin it, was she injected with something was it experiments what is what created her connection to the green see with the with the way things are with DC's lore right now, she's either got the New 52 origin or the regular one. And actually, according to the current continuity, both would be accurate. Um, because the timeline is split and both of those versions of the of origin actually happened. So until okay. we get some type of resolution on that, <laughs> she's right. She's right in the middle. She's right in the middle, but mostly she's still the biochemist who's obsessed with plants, you know. And her obsession, uh, her obsession, kind of ended up with a failed experiment that gave her this connection to the green. But 
She also seems mildly unaffected by everything going on. Yeah, she's very removed from humans' problems, usually. Yeah, and so the idea of them all like extinct, becoming extinct, I'm pretty sure she's she's cool with that. Um, so yeah, they they're out there, they're out there, um, about to give their message to everyone. Um, when they start hearing a bunch of rumbling, and all of a sudden, the Daily Planet survivors are assaulted by an infected giganta. The group holds their ground with uh, added aerial support provided by Alfred, my man. Um, during the confrontation, Giganta damages the, the Batwing. But before it could crash, Alfred is saved by Green Lantern while Superman knocks down Giganta. I thought I was going to have like a chewy moment from uh, <laughs> uh, Rise of Skywalker. I was like, oh, they just caught, they just caught the Batplane. They better not. I was so happy. Um... So, yeah, Superman's able to knock down Giganta. Um, Wonder Woman tries to come down with a killing blow with her sword. But Superman's like, nah, chill. They're infected. We don't know what if we could ever save them or and stuff. Oh. And then, boom. Or booyah. <laughs> we hear one big-ass booyah. Oh. And we see, literally, there's a hole blasted through Giganta's head. And on the other side of it is Cyborg. The person who kind of, you know, brought all this from Apocalypse over here. So that's hey, that's at least Cyborg's um, answer. Even though we find out later on that, that it's probably a bit of a tragic answer. <laughs> um, Cyborg's answer is we kill him. They're not alive. Uh, Green Lantern safely lands the Batwing to which Alfred emerges from and approaches Damien. Um, cry. <laughs> he apologizes to him. About the loss of his father. Um, and says that he, he was worthy of assuming the mantle of Batman. And that he was proud of him. And then he embraces the boy. He says uh, that Bruce always said he was worthy of it. And that he was proud of him. And that he should have told him that every day. Yeah, they give him the suitcase full of a Damien-sized bat suit. Which I'm assuming Bruce would have had to upgrade once a year. And, uh, the, and, and the briefcase has a Batman logo on it as well. <laughs> just in case. He also would have had to update once a year <laughs> just because Damien grows. What are those What are those things in there? What are those? There's like a, a Aquaman. I mean, sorry, a Green Lantern, a Flash, a Wonder Woman. Yeah, so in the suitcase, he has a Damien-sized Batman outfit, Batarangs, and a utility belt, and... One, two, three, four little cartons with uh, the Flash, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern's logos in it. Presumably, what Damien would have to use to kill either <laughs> one of them. <laughs> wow. And that Batman logo, that's the Dark Knight logo, isn't it? It is. It uh, is. Interesting. Interesting. Uh... Black Lightning's daughter Anissa gives both Flash and Kid Flash her contact lenses to blur their vision as a temporary solution to preventing infection from viewing com- compromised screens. Cyborg then informs the group, uh, as a solution to, pre- oh sorry, Cyborg then informs the group as to the true nature of the infect- infected, revealing that the infected are not zombies as they assumed, but rather extensions of the corrupted anti-life equation. The affected 
the infected are attracted to the living, and their only urges is to further spread the infection, constantly seeking out life to destroy and convert. So my that's I guess that my issue with comprehension comes in because are they killing their hosts? Are they when the anti life when you get the anti life equation? Are you dying and then are you then killing other people? That's pretty much what it seems like. First of all, it's anti life, right? You know, anti life being death. But I felt basically. like anti life in the past has been used to to. Like it's describe weird. to describe like <laughs> lack of freedom, <laughs> you know. Like uh, they it will all be slaves. On who is writing? <laughs> yeah, we know. Ne- I never thought about an undead army when I thought about the anti-life equation, but apparently that's exactly what you can get. Um. Well, yeah, yes. you're right about that. They're probably being killed uh, as soon as they get infected by the anti-life equation, and what they are now is a shadow of themselves. That's crazy. Uh, suddenly, Hawkgirl is seen plummeting from the sky above the Daily Planet, only to be saved by Wonder Woman. She informs both her and Superman that Captain Adam has succumbed to the infection and is on the verge of inadvertently self-destructing. Both Superman and Wonder Woman quickly fly to Washington, D.C., where they find a rapidly destabilizing Captain Adam above the U.S. Capitol. The two grab him and attempt to haul him up into the upper atmosphere for him to safely explode. However, before they can get high enough, Captain Adam detonates in a titanic explosion that consumes both Wonder Woman, Superman, and instantly vaporizes Washington, D.C. The cataclysm quickly expands outward, obliterating several major cities such as Baltimore before finally reaching Metropolis. As the Daily Planet survivors look on in horror, Black Lightning holds his daughters close and attempts to to calm them as the light of the blast wave seemingly consumes them all. So, yeah, just all smiles. Oh. So, I read Deceased through the trade paperback. And after this issue is where you would read A Good Day to Die. Okay. Uh, which I'm assuming that means that this happens either parallel to that. Right, and a good day to die deals with um, Barda and uh, Mister Miracle coming back from Apocalypse, trying to see who's still around. They bump into Constantine, and I feel like there's somebody else they bump into. I know they definitely bump into Constantine because I liked seeing him again. <laughs> oh, Doctor Fate! Well, they, came, they had come from Earth because they were with the Justice League, right? And then they come to they come to Apocalypse. They find out that the whole planet is gone. Yes. Then That's they go back. back. Mm-hmm. Then they go back, they meet up with John Constantine and Dr. Fate um, and Zatanna, and they're seemingly ready to there's, fight the hordes of the of the zombie apocalypse. There's, there's like a bunch of funny little things in, in the Good Day to Die because Tom Taylor is very cheeky about what he does. And yes. it's like, there's a lot of like eight panel pages and dark side, I mean nine panel pages and dark side is. And, right, uh, right, right. Veggie plates, you know? <laughs> I, oh, I loved it. I loved it. They did a veggie plate callback from Mr. Miracle, and I was all over it. Like I said, it's just like it's weird to have so much fun with such a grim uh, topic for a comic book, but it definitely was fun. Um, so, 
you have the explosion, but nothing happens, right? Because Green La- Green Lantern is able to protect the building. Uh, what building is being protected by Green Lantern? It is the one where Black Lightning and Emeron, right? It would be the Daily Planet. I'm trying to kind of skip through all this here. Is, <laughs> no, but I'm saying is the is that where Black Lightning was? The Daily Planet. Yeah, Black Lightning was at the Daily Planet with the uh, Superman with the okay. uh, family. Yeah, so he should be okay. He should be good. Him and his kids should be okay, though. I don't really see them anymore. Uh, oh, oh dear. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know. I know. Issue five starts off incredibly depressing. You see Superman and Wonder Woman surveying the devastation of Captain Adam's explosion, which completely obliterated Washington D.C., Baltimore, and Metropolis. Fortunately, Canary was able to use her lantern ring to shield those in the Daily Planet. With things looking grim, Lex calls for a truce with Superman, and the Justice League does their best to dismantle all internet servers and digital broadcast devices. I did like Humble Lex. I did like Lex for a second. We're gonna get back to Dick Lex in a little bit, right? Like he, he's never, he's never humble for long. But like in this moment, he's like, oh my god, you know, he was my greatest enemy and all this other kind of stuff and truce and he's trying to he's trying look to look what happened to our city and I do believe that that would be his take back you know I you know even through forever evil and stuff you see that he does have a pride for earth <laughs> and metropolis you know it just so happens that the other person that does he doesn't get along with too much um you Okay, so we learned that there are two locations being set up for survivors of the virus. One is Themyscira, which has been altered to fit more inhabitants. They just put more land, right? They just went into the ocean and raised it around. Uh, they 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 jailbroke Themyscira. They jailbroke Themyscira. And what happens is when you jailbreak something, then you leave it susceptible to viruses. <laughs> we'll get back to that. Um, but yeah, they jailbreak Demascara. Um, the other one is Gotham, which has become a uh, jungle under Ivy's control and is the second place of ref- refuge. Batman, Damian Wayne, uh, Green Arrow, and Green Lantern decide to make the trip, and just as they are about to enter, an infected Killer Croc charges towards the trio. Suddenly, uh, he is killed by the vines, and they soon surround the heroes. Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy then emerge from their thicket. And they ask why Robin is dressed as Batman. He explains that Batman has died. And they give their condolences. The trio state that they are hoping to set up a sanctuary for survivors in the Gotham jungle. Ivy states that she and Harley have been arguing about it. But Ivy reluctantly agrees to set up a safe haven. The Fortress of Solitude is um, considered the hero's headquarters for the time being. As the weeks progress... Luther and Cyborg work together to build arcs to fit the remaining survivors in case they ever need to leave Earth, but Superman insists that they cannot abandon the planet. This starts a debate that causes Lois to strike Luther whilst reminding John that violence is never the answer. Uh, Superman is eventually convinced once it seems like it is the only option. How do you feel about this whole abandon Earth plan? I never thought. I, feel like I never thought it would be an option. Be, I guess. <laughs> should be our plan now. <laughs> just leave. <laughs> just leave. It's screwed. Just run. 
<laughs> Leave the keys. <laughs> Leave the keys. I never thought. I. I mean, Superman is the one that's against it, but I never thought they'd think that. I guess because there's so many places like the Phantom Zone and stuff. Like you can't like just trap it somewhere. I mean, we. I remember in the Good Time to Die or Good Day to Die. There's a whole line of I think Mr. Terrific tells Constantine like I tried everything I could in my science world to 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 stop this and I, I have nothing. I was hoping that you had something in your magic world. And then Constantine's like, Oh, you think I'm just gonna like I could just snap my fingers and all this can stop? Which kinda shows that even the magic users are having a difficulty fighting back with all this madness. Um how do you feel about Lois Lane? Given the old five knuckles shuffle to Lex Luthor, Lex is not. Uh, not a year goes by where Lois doesn't slap Lex for something. <laughs> and she, and he just kind of smiles. Like he knows, he knows it's becoming. So it's like, as soon as he hears those heels, he's like, "Oh, son of a bitch, <laughs> she's gonna hit me, isn't she?" Um. So as the days pass and the arts are built, all seems well. Suddenly, the heroes... And, and this is always what happens. It's Everything seems well. Everything is calm. And then suddenly... Suddenly, the heroes in the fortress begin to hear a ringing in their ears. And the collective ringing stops as soon as Luther is impaled by an invisible force. The Flash runs in to see what happened. And he is slashed in the back by an infected Martian Manhunter. Who definitely would be like one of the most dangerous superheroes to be infected. He was. And I hadn't even considered it. Yeah, I mean he's he's Superman with intangibility and shape shifting. You know, like that's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of good stuff. Uh he can fly, he has super strength, um tele- telepathy, all that stuff. None of that stuff's good. Um so the Flash, oh yeah, he already got attacked. The heroes fight until fight against the infected man Martian Manhunter until a firestorm kills him with a fire blast. The survivors of the attack realize that Barry is infected and he is loose in the world. Kid Flash, Wally West, volunteers to search for him, but Superman goes in his place as one of the few that might catch up to him. Instead of running behind Flash, Superman flies into space and runs directly opposite of him. Did you know this was what he was going to do? I did not really think about it. I was just like, what's going on? And then... I saw the two uh, streaks headed towards each other, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, oh. another, another thing is that, um, first of all, the Flash is, you know, a murder machine in this state. You know, he can literally just go in, in, in a flash, in a flash of light, kill hundreds, millions of people. Um, another thing is it's already been established that the Flash is faster than Superman. Yep. So if the Flash has already started running, Superman cannot run after him. So I thought it was very smart and very in keeping with the power levels that we know that he would go around to cut him off as opposed to trying to f- chase after him. I thought that was that was smart. And it's the, it's the little things, you know. Um, but yeah, Superman, instead of, oh yeah, he runs directly into him. He rams into Flash head on, causing him to be obliterated into pieces. Superman begins to apologize to his old friend, but he soon finds that two of Barry's fingers are in his abdomen, and he goes and flies to the Forges of Solitude. So we spoke a little bit off air about this. What do you think is the likelihood you can 
go, be going so fast that you can pierce Superman's skin. Yeah, I don't really know why Barry was able to. Well, Barry's body parts were able to pierce Superman. Other than, I would assume maybe because he was running so fast, he was tangible. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Perhaps that's have the we, only thing. Have I we seen? Of. Have we seen people use intangibility with Superman? Uh, I'm sure he's had like a fight against Martian Manhunter or something. But yeah. uh, I, I just. I don't know. It, it happened, though, so we have to figure out a way to fill in that plot hole now if Tom Taylor doesn't do it himself. <laughs> right, right. Maybe he has a very weak abdomen. Just that day, he wasn't doing abs, and that's what happened. <laughs> um, so he tells Wally that Barry is dead, and he will soon follow, and he shows Wally his abdomen. He tells Wally to send his son, Lois, and Martha into the Speed Force, and Wally agrees. Before that, Superman gives a tearful and emotional farewell to his family and flies into space, hoping to deprive himself of oxygen before he turns. Unfortunately, he is too late and the transformation begins. And you get that really cool image of him basically screaming <laughs> in space as he's blasting heat vision everywhere. And it's like, this is not good. You do not want an affected Superman. He did not make it to the sun as he intended to. No, and it go- again... Somebody like Batman would have figured stuff, some stuff out, you know. Like Superman, Absolutely. it really just shows you like all of this is all of this up until this last issue. Everything's on Superman's shoulders. <laughs> no one's really like Wonder Woman's try helping out, and I'm pretty sure the other members are helping out. But Superman is taking lead and taking charge, and it's it to me. I don't know, maybe because I'm a Batman fan, it shows us like it's easy to take charge when you have somebody to the right doing all the calculations. Yeah, <laughs> you know. It's easy to be to, to, to rely on your heart because you know the math is always going to be there. But now with no math, everything is a leap of faith and you don't know. And you end up, you know what, I can stop the flash. Let me go and I'll look. Screwed. Um, so, what does Superman do here? He just flies straight down, right? He it's comes a- back from the atmosphere because he didn't make it to the sun without getting infected. Right. He's infected now and people are looking up and they're like, look, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's a, it's Superman. But he just flies straight through the building and collapses it like the fucking World Trade Center. Oh my god. Yeah, he goes straight through. Um, uh, in the Gotham Jungle, Batman, Flash, and uh, oh, complete the evacuation. Getting six million? <laughs> Oh yeah, bad boy. Six million uh four thousand seven hundred and nine survivors aboard. Before departing, Poison Ivy states that she isn't leaving with them, refusing to abandon the green. Harley Quinn states that she's staying as well, refusing to abandon Poison Ivy. And the two watch as the Gotham Ark departs. I thought that was like a nice little cute thing that they're gonna be there. I wonder if that's gonna mean anything for sequels and other stuff. It likely will, though. I guess we did gloss over the fact that Damien pulled that kryptonite out of his pocket. He got that thing on. And more so that Alfred knows where it's at. Like the exact pocket. (laughs) He knows the exact kryptonite pocket. Um, And instead of just having the kryptonite pocket, they choose to to weld. What's what's the word? He welded it into a sword. Yeah. Forged. Forged it. Forged it, yes. They use the a piece of kryptonite 
to fuse it with uh the with, uh, magic God, sword. with a magic sword. I was saying I don't think it's a god killer, but so definitely a magic Superman, sword. Two of Superman's weaknesses together. Uh, with seeing uh, Diana in those in those uh welders goggles, I'm like, I like that girl. <laughs> you look that too cool sword for school. Is cool as, dude, that sword is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like glowing green. But um, not even just the idea of it. It's kryptonite. And magic, which means like, because it's kryptonite, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mineral, it's science. <laughs> so you com- you're combining the elements of actual science and mineral to magic. You can cut Superman's head off with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you could do more than stick your fingers in his abdomen with something like that. <laughs> um. So. Okay. So we are at. Man, dick. You know what you could do with that? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> In Themyscira, Green Arrow, Wonder Girl, and other members of the League are assisting with the evacuate- evacuation. It is in- interrupted by the approach of a chaotic tempest approaching from the sea. Revealed to be the infected Aquaman riding the Kraken. I'm like, how the hell is this zombie Aquaman still, <laughs> still like, he's having zombie conversations with zombie fish? What's going on here? Um, he's still able to command the Kraken, and he's accompanied by a horde of infected and 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 Atlanteans. The big thing is that most people can't find Themyscira, but we're told that because they added more land to it, uh, it broke the the spell. That man could not find the island, and thus now it seems to be all of the Amazonians versus the infected Atlanteans. So Queen Mera orders for the evacuation uh, to be moved to high ground and requests Queen Hippolyta to ready her warriors for the coming fight. To her shock, Queen Ariel manages to kill Aquaman with a precision shot to the head. I think she was still holding out hope, Um, but Green Arrow's not playing none of that. He shoots him in the head, and the Amazon warriors of Demoscara, led by Wonder Girl, Antiope, and Philippus, clash with the Atlantean horde. Uh, thousands of miles away, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, and Green Lantern locate Superman in New York. Um, confirming with Cyborg that there was no, li- no life signatures left in the area, because he done killed everybody, uh, Green Lantern unleashes a powerful canary cry amplified by a megaphone construct, um, which is great. And this basically fells the Man of Steel. Back in Themyscira, the Amazons continue to valiantly fight off the infected Atlanteans, but take heavy losses, with Antiope and others falling to the Horde. Securing the last of the survivors, Green Arrow urges for Mera to board the ship. Wonder Girl does the same for Hippolyta, but she refuses entrusting to her that she and Diana are the legacy of Themyscira now. With no way to safely extract them, Hippolyta and the remaining Amazons stay behind in order to secure evacuation. Meanwhile, in New York, Green Lantern's attack stuns Superman, but he recovers quickly and charges through the sonic blast. Before he can breach her shield construct, Cyborg hits him, oh, yeah, hits him with an arm blaster while Wonder Woman slices Superman's arm off with the kryptonite sword before impaling him with it. So that's this is the like the heartbreaking part, right? Like they finally get Superman, they finally cut his hand off, 
They finally able to, you know, get him where they need to. And he just, yeah, he he pulls his favorite injustice move of just sticking his hand through people. <laughs> and that seems to be a thing in general, right? Because they had a homeland to do it in the boys as well. They must just really be scared of a superpowered person just putting their hand through somebody. I mean, he could. 100%. And it says power without hesitation. And he just guts her, literally. And she falls to the ground. Um... As Wonder Woman plummets to the ground, Superman flies off to space towards the arcs. A dying Wonder Woman then urges for Green Lantern to stop Superman, giving her the kryptonite sword. Cyborg then informs Green Lantern that he's staying with Wonder Woman on Earth, having had no intentions to leave with the arcs out of guilt of the pandemic starting with him in the first place. On the arcs, John uses his supervision to observe the League's fight with Superman and informs Damien that his father is coming for them now. Realizing that he's the only one left that could confront Superman, John asks for Damien to look after his mother before telling Damien that he'll be a great Batman. Now, after reading this over, John's the MVP, one of the MVPs of the story. Yeah, absolutely. John and Damien. He stood level-headed. He com- comforted Damien when his father died, you know? He was ready to die. Yeah, and and then he was ready to, to take on his father for the greater good. Real, real good stuff from Damien. Uh, thanks, uh, Tom Taylor. But um, John blasts off from the Ark, colliding with his father at high speed. The effort knocks out John and breaks his arm while stunning Superman, buying the Ark precious time as Green Lantern arrives to resume the battle. Unexpectedly, and this happens also sometimes, and it always surprises me, but it always makes me happy. Guy Gardner and the entirety of the Green Lantern Corp arrive as well as reinforcements. Confused on their arrival, Ganthet reveals to Green Lantern that upon becoming aware of the anti-life pandemic on Earth, the Guardians decided to quarantine the sector. As the Green Lantern Corp prepares to confront Superman, the infected Kryptonian floats motionless in front of them before suddenly flying off in the opposite direction. The Corp pursues him, but Ganthet halts the pursuit as Superman dives into the heart of the sun. And now I'm like, what is about to happen? <laughs> like, I thought that, I thought that was a big pop when the Green Lantern Corp showed up. And I, I feel like completely forgot that they existed. No, that, that happens in a lot of these stories, though. They just... They put their hands in the air and they go, well, good luck. Good luck, Earth. 2814. I did, but, uh... I did, um, I did I, like I said, I did enjoy the, I did enjoy just the big cavalry arising. Yeah. And just the image of Superman and the sun, too. You also, like, sometimes because they, because they don't interfere, you forget how vast they are. In numbers, like, just in numbers and power. Like, the Green Lantern Corps is no joke. I mean, it's an army. It's an actual army. No, you're right. An army w- that could use their imagination. So it's like... But another thing is, Gant, that is one of the members of the Quintessence. Thousands of LeBar Burtons and Bob Ross. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, Gant, that is a member of the Quintessence, which is kind of like the Illuminati of the DC universe is well, unlike the Illuminati is the all powerful members. And usually they only interfere, intervene when things get too crazy. So the idea that Ganthet has all his people over here, uh, it's a big deal. We find out that, yeah, they're going to quarantine the, uh, <laughs> the, the star system, the solar system that they're at. It's crazy. Uh, 
Um, realizing the anti-life equation intends to use Superman to drain the sun, Gantha informs Green Lantern that the solar system will gradually grow cold and all life will die and that not even their power rings have enough strength to reach into the core of the sun to stop him. What's crazy is that even before, like in the next page, they're going to reveal that, yes, you know, the, 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 the anti-life does have a voice and I guess a, a pur- not a purpose, but an intention, a, a malice. But I should have maybe realized that before the explicitly told you by realizing that, yes, the thing wants to absorb the sun yeah. to kill everyone. And this, the, the sentience of realizing that there are there's life in space from the ground, like that that's that's a big pull. That's a that's a big hunger or whatever you know. Like that's a it's a yeah. big a big force that's that's controlling the everyone that's infected. Um. So resigning that the soul system has been lost to the anti living, Gantet states that it's that this is the best possible outcome. With neither the means to neutralize the virus directly, nor wanting to risk further exposure, he states that once the system freezes, the virus will sleep. He nonetheless states that the Green Lantern Corps will monitor and observe the system, but that it is now time to take the Earth survivors to a new home. That's like, that's incredibly grim. On Earth... A now-infected Wonder Woman has been restrained by Cyborg with the lasso of truth. He proceeds to interrogate the anti-life equation through the former Amazon princess uh, to try to find out if there's a cure for the infected. Wonder Woman responds that there is indeed a cure and that it lies within him. She explains by being both man and machine, he is the solution to the crisis as it too is a binary construct. Horrified at the revelation that the pandemic was entirely curable and that all the deaths and sacrifices were immediately unnecessary, Cyborg carelessly lets go of the lasso of truth to try to inform the fleeing arcs of this. But before he can act on it, a now-freed Wonder Woman takes the opportunity to attack him, tearing his head off, tossing it and his body into a ravine with the anti-life equation saying through her that life is fleeting but death is forever. As the Arcs arrive at their new home, Earth 2, Lois, John, Damien, and the rest of the survivors gaze upon their new home world, hopeful that the horrors they've experienced on Earth are now behind them. I guess I should point out that it's not actually Earth 2, but just another planet that they're going to call Earth, like Earth 2 other Electric. Earth. Other, other Earth. <laughs> the other one. Earth sequel. Yeah. <laughs> because when I, I, I had... The story explained to me by someone who read it and was trying to convince me to read it, and they were like that they ended up on Earth too, and I was like, "Well, how the fuck do they like? Is this our Earth too? Like, did they just like, well, they literally they literally but say our Earth too. It's it's perspective wise, right? Yeah, it's a perspective thing. Like, it's yeah. our Earth too. You know, it's another Earth in the other side of the galaxy. Which I always have so a problem with that. I always had a problem with that anyway. Like. If you're on Earth 2, wouldn't you be questioning who designates these things? Like, how, how, how is my Earth not Earth 1? You know? Why is your Earth Earth 1? Because you're from it and you started naming them? Fuck that. I'm not I'm not Earth 2. Um, What do you think about that revelation that this can be stopped? Or... I thought that was 
grim as fuck. That was yeah. grim. Just, oh, man, we can stop it. And she rips his head off and throws it out. See, at that point, I was like, man, how, I guess this is really it. You know, like, wow, that this story was open and shut. But then they announced a sequel. You know, she dropped her lasso down there as well. Did she? Yeah. I didn't see that. I think that's the... You can see the lasso and the body falling. I think that's all coming back. They can use that yeah. lasso, definitely. Um and they're gonna need cyborg. I don't know how much of him is still alive. With his head cut off, can he still live? I don't know how the, how how he's connected from the front, from the back. Mm. I think she get up and threw it down there. Uh, but we're supposed to be getting what dead planet? We were talking about dead planet. Whenever comic books decide to <laughs> come back to life, come back to us. Let's see. Damien Let's see. Uh, as Superman. Uh, Damien is Batman. John is Superman. Cassie is Wonder Woman. Oh, which you're is always- right, 100%. Yes, this is the next. Wow. So the Hollywood Reporter was talking about um, the sequel reuniting the original creative team. And it was supposed to come out in June. So it's not coming out anytime soon. Uh, That's... So, uh, Tom Taylor says, I'm not going to lie, I always had a lot more deceased planned, pretty much from page one, but it all came down to how well readers and retailers responded. The single issue sold around a million copies, and we just heard the hardcover is going back for a third printing, which is, you know, that's that's big in today's era, especially for like an Elseworlds story. I mean, they count, they, they combined all seven issues, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or, or for the printing? Yeah. For the million copies? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, we set up so many things in Deceased, a good day to die and unkillables, and now we get to pay it off. The heroes we saved and brought to a new earth will return. Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy are still there along with any survivors from unkillables. And then we have continuing stories of Constantine, Zatanna, Dr. Fate, and other magic users. Um, it's the third series with the second chapter of the story. Unkillables acts as chapter 1.5. Huh. For sure. Yeah. 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 That all sounds about right, right? Uh, Dead Planet yeah. is set five years after. I think that's a good time jump. I that's a good know. time jump, just enough to uh, draw Superman and Batman full size. And we should also have like some like gnarly Age of Apocalypse looking survivors in five years, you know? Mohawks and face paint, and, uh, football gear with spikes on it. I want to see some. I want to see some cool designs. Um, he says we may have killed off the Justice League, but at the same time, we carefully created a new Justice League to take their place. John and Damian Wayne were positioned to inherit the mantles of their falling father as a new Superman and Batman. Cassie Sandsmark survived the battle between the Amazonians. I mean, the Amazons and the Atlanteans. To become the new Wonder Woman. Mira also survived this attack. So a new monarch of Atlantis is there. With Aquaman. Wallace survived to be the new Flash. Black Canary becomes the new Green Lantern. Black Lightning um, is still around with his daughters. And five years later. This new Justice League of Earth 2. Is going to receive a distress signal from their former home. Their heroes. They can't ignore it. Even if they should. That's a pretty good. uh... I like that. I like all that. 
That sounds good. Five years later, you abandon that world because you figure there's nothing there left to save. And then you get a distress call. Can you go back? Do you go back? Especially the Trinity who lost the original Trinity. Like, really, really, really good stuff. We just gotta wait forever for it. <laughs> yeah, who, who knows when comics are coming back? I don't even want to think about that because, man, I, I, uh, comics are everything to me. I don't want to live in a world where we're not getting them every Wednesday, but that's where we are now. It's fucking it, depressing. It, it definitely was one of those um, constants that you could set your watch to, you know? Um, it was always going to be around, and it was always, seemingly always going to be around, and always going to be available, but... It looks like we're just going to have to dive a little bit harder and deeper into our um, the piles of comics that we leave behind always saying that we're going to get to them. Is what I'll suggest <laughs> to those who are feeling a little bit uh, down because of the closures of, of some of the great media outlets and, like I said, comics as a whole. But I do think that comic books in general as a genre is so vast that there has to be things on all of our comic book bucket lists. Are there anything that in particular you're interested in diving into while you have this time? Like, is there any story you just kept telling yourself, eh, next time, next time, next time that you might dive yeah, into? Finally, finally get around to reading Jason Aaron's Thor. Ah, I gave that some, I gave that some, a once over. It was very, very good. <laughs> I dug it. I dug it. I myself was able to finish the, the Justice League uh, run from Scott Snyder which I hope to be coming oh, nice. on this podcast soon. I did that. I did Batman Superman. I did Batman Who Laughs. I did uh, Hell Arisen, which it's it's crazy. It's so little bit of punchline, but it still gets me very excited for that character. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I'm I'm bought in onto the hype. Like I'm on the punchline uh, bandwagon. Same. You know, and so I'm very interested in seeing what that, what that, what that uh, brings to the table. Um, I'm not been giving Marvel much love. What's going on on that side? What are they doing? Well, of course, there's the X-Books. Those are where I'm at, really, when it comes to Marvel. I've got to go back and read Jason Aaron's Avengers from the beginning. How's X-Men uh, X -Men been doing since he's uh, departed from it's House and Powers of X? It's been awesome. Good. It's been absolutely awesome. Okay. Um, Dawn of X is a success. There was a major X-Men crossover coming in the summer, but now who knows? Um... Uh. Uh, it's been like full steam ahead. We have to do an X. We have to do a Dawn of X. We have to do a House of X, Powers of X episode. We have to do a uh, Dawn of X. We have to because the it's so good. Uh, okay. The X Men got their groove back. It's awesome. Uh, but the thing is, the man who gave them their groove is the same man who gave the Fantastic Four their groove back. Are they yeah. still interesting? I haven't heard anything from their new run. I don't know, it was well, a big deal that they came back. Dan Slott has them. Dan Slott loves his slow burn, but things have been married. Franklin Richards has been, uh, powers has been depleting. His status as a mutant has caused a rift between the Fantastic Four and the X-Men, so that's a very cool book that's going on right now. Oh, okay. That sounds pretty damn awesome. It is, it is. Uh, Franklin is still one of the most powerful, well, the single most powerful mutant and possibly person on Earth and in the universe, so... <laughs> it's yeah. always interesting following up on him uh, yeah they were doing Hickman was doing a lot of unearthing of, of X-Men lore and, and making definitive changes to, like things that writers weren't paying attention to he was coming right out and having answers for them 
and that shows somebody that's, that cares about the stop gaps. Uh, I really like that he's handling those books. Again, I think I'm gonna dive into X Men. I know Dan um, suggested Irredeemable Ant Man, so I think like a, something a little bit lighter to have somebody just see what happens when there's an Ant Man who's a dick. I've been considering that. Um, well, I mean Hank Pym. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> I see. I've seen how Hank could get down. Talk about somebody who got convoluted, man. Is he still have Ultron? Uh, yes. <laughs> see. <laughs> My God, poor guy, man, poor guy. Um, but yeah, even though all the other outlets for comic book media and literally and comic books, wow, that that hurt to say. Oh, literally the latest in comic and comic book media is off the table for discussion as part of the Major Issues podcast. But there is a litany, a myriad of comic book media and comic books out there that we haven't covered yet, and I'm excited to start doing some major research on films that I didn't know that were comic book films, like Bulletproof Monk, I found that was a comic book film. Um, Road to Perdition is a comic book film. Uh, a history Was it A History of Violence? I think as well as a graphic novel, From Hell by Alan Moore. Um, I'm really looking into to getting into some of those bigger comics and hoping that you guys stay along for the ride and come back for every episode of the Major Issues Podcast, which you could find available at any uh, place you find any other podcast, like Podbean, Stitcher, the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast, YouTube, TuneFind, Spotify. We're available almost everywhere. The quickest way to find us is comicbookclick.com, the one stop for all things Comic Book Click, including the Major Issues Podcast and all of our merchandise at Public. And it's also the easiest way to reach each and every one of us, every host, on um, the Major Issues Podcast is at comicbookclick.com. So you'll be able to respond to us or any one of our episodes directly. With this episode in the can, we have over 120 episodes done, completed, over 200 hours of content talking about people in tights with bats and all kinds of superpowers. Um, and it's been great. And now with uh, quality time fleeting, it's become uh, one of the things I look forward to every week. A quick chat with my mates about the things that are great. Uh, comic books and comic book media. But um, yeah, I really, really dug this. And if you did, you know you could reach us at uh, facebook.com slash comic book click. Instagram at comic book click. Or use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're also at Major Issues CBC on Twitter. And you can always reach us at comicbookclick at gmail.com. And all of that stuff is in the show notes in the description of the episode. All those links are there and you can click away and get to what you want to get to. Um, the last thing I would ask in this trying time, if you could do us a favor and leave us a review on iTunes. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't like about the podcast. We're constantly trying to evolve and I want to apologize from the bottom of my heart because as you guys know, I have been to the future and we do become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic book, comic book media, but I think I probably should have told you guys about Corona. And the thing is, I didn't want to because the whole time shift thing, you know how these things work. I didn't want to mess any of that up, but we do make it out the other end we do make it out better we do make it out alive and we do make it out together so make sure that you find a seat on this bandwagon because it's filling up mighty fast and make sure that you're here for the next episode of the major issues podcast (sighs) that's about all i got
<laughs> at the moment. <laughs> That's the most enthusiastic I've been all all week. But uh <laughs> but uh that's uh, that's cuz you're here brother. Thank you so much for being Thank on you. this podcast. Thank you for having me. Always. But uh my name is George Serrano aka the Don. This is Jonathan Escudero aka Yogi. And whether or not there is a pandemic outside which there actually is, always remember that we can beat this. We're stronger together. You are the click and also you. Yes, you are worthy. <laughs>